The second reading is from Luke, uh, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. My name's Ed. I'm the Congregational Pastor of this, our 7pm service, and it's great that you're with us here, or if you're joining us online, it's great because tomorrow is February the 1st. It is the official start of the new year, and just in case you thought that the new year was going to be anything different, school traffic is back. Uh, I'm really personally disappointed uh, that coronavirus didn't stay in isolation back in 2020. We all sort of were making out that it would, but we're facing a new year of uncertainty, of restrictions, of unpredictability, of financial difficulties and hardships. There's all sorts of things coming at us. And what does our world need? Our world needs love. Our world needs to know love from God that's more certain than the rising sun. Our world needs to experience communities of love where everyone is welcomed, where no person is overlooked, no neighbour is unnoticed. And that's what the Christian faith is all about. From beginning to end, if you were to sum up the Bible, it's about God loving us and Him calling us to love Him and love others. God is all about love. And that's why 2021 is our year of loving our neighbour. We want to show the love that Jesus showed that changed the world. Jesus didn't have much. One of the poorest people to have lived, he died without even clothing to his name. And yet by his love, he changed the world. And that love now lives in you who follow him. You, his disciples, can go and love your neighbour as he has loved you. And we can change the world as we do that. So we're excited about what 2021 is going to bring. And it's going to be all about loving our neighbours. But let's be honest, neighbours can be a bit tricky. So let me tell you about a few of my neighbours. Growing up in the leafy suburbs of Gordon, we had a neighbour who would garden about twice a year normally with a hacksaw, giving special attention to those trees that hung over into our garden, leaving these gaping holes into the, uh, into the backyard of his house. 
Then I did some apartment dwelling. Uh, we had an anonymous note writer. You're familiar with them, Gwen, it was. And uh, Gwen would write those kind of notes uh, to the person who has left their bike in the stairwell. It is not a storage area. Uh, Gwen, I'm the only person who has a bike, and you know where I live. Come and talk to me. Uh, we, had, we had an amateur drug dealer move in above us, and friends would turn up two, three in the morning, sort of throwing pebbles against his window, trying to get him up. And then we moved to the leafy suburbs of Mosman. I thought, you know, this is where things will make sense. And then a Brazilian party house popped up next to us. Eight or nine different Brazilians. They were bongo drumming, doing everything, all, all night, all day, parties every weekend. It's no wonder God commanded us to love your neighbours. Love your neighbours as yourself. We're pretty good at the second part, aren't we? We're pretty good at loving ourselves. It's extending that same love to others that we need help with. And that's why Jesus told us this now world-famous parable of the Good Samaritan. So we're going to get stuck into Luke chapter 10. I do hope you bring your Bibles to church or you've got a gadget that you can look at the Bible on. We're in Luke chapter 10, verses 25. And we want to learn from this story two things. Who is our neighbour and how should we be a neighbour? So let's uh, launch in. And the first thing that sparks this discussion is this question, a question I probably everyone wants to know the answer to. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That is, what do I have to do to be on the right side of God? How can I know that I'm right with God? Everyone wants to know the answer to that, right? Well, uh, it was asked that day by an expert in the law, an expert in knowing what you could and couldn't do and still be in the right with God, an expert in working out the limits of what God had said. But this man, he was evidently provoked by the limitless love that Jesus was shown. So uh, he comes to Jesus and we realise that he's not there as a genuine seeker. Verse 25 reminds us that he's there to test Jesus. And Jesus is great at this because he turns the test back on the man. He says, what about you? What do you understand? And he answers perfectly, 10 out of 10. Uh, Love God with all your heart and strength. He quotes Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. And then he quotes Leviticus 19, as uh, Dave just read to us, love your neighbour as yourself. And then he ponders to himself, yep, love God with all your heart. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I know the scriptures really well. I'm always at the synagogue. I was born as one of God's chosen people. So, yep, loving God with all my heart and love your neighbour. I've got Bob and Betsy and uh, Tim and Jane. I know all my neighbours' names. And three weeks ago, I helped that old lady across the street. So, tick, feeling pretty good about that. But he just just wanted to make sure. So, so he, he asked a question that really revealed more of his heart than probably he knew. It's there for us in verse 29. Wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbour? More pointedly, he actually asked, who is not my neighbour? Or who don't I have to love? Well, in answer to that, Jesus told us this world-famous story. We've got a beat-up man, Jewish man, lying on the side of the road. And, uh, and travelling down that same road are two men of God and a Samaritan. Now, the joke's lost its effect on us because uh, when we think of Samaritans, we think of a, a commendation for a kind-hearted person. I mean, you're a good Samaritan or the, the Samaritan's Purse, the charity organisation. 
But there was over 500 years of hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. Samaritans were the people who had sold out. They'd intermarried with other nations, intermingled worship of God with uh, worship of other gods. These were the sellouts, spiritually, socially, and the last people you'd expect anything good from. Well, all three men are taking this 27-kilometre journey from Jerusalem down to Jericho, uh, about the distance of Kirribilli to Parramatta or to Narrabeen. Long, long way, steep road, a dangerous road that they travelled down. And uh, what a stroke of luck. But uh, there, for this poor victim, a priest just happened to be travelling down that same route. <sighs> what fortune. A man of God who no doubt had been teaching God's people that day, that week, how to love God and how to love your neighbour. Will he practice what he preaches? Oh dear, Jesus tells us that he saw the man and passed by on the other side. Jesus doesn't tell us why he did that, but we can ponder, can't we? We can think about the reasons. We've passed by, I'm sure, in our lives on the other side from time. We know our own hearts and They're probably not too different to his. So let's play a game and think about some of the reasons, the excuses that might have come into his head. Uh, It could have been a religious excuse. He might have thought to himself, with the Old Testament, there were laws about not touching a dead body because that could defile you. Uh, But the problem was the man didn't go close enough. The priest didn't go close enough to find out if the man was dead. Uh, and, And Jesus taught us and showed us uh, what it looked like to have dirty hands and a clean heart, how, how loving your neighbour, well, it, it will be messy and, uh, and it will mean getting your hands dirty. Uh, perhaps he used a racial excuse. Perhaps he thought, maybe this guy's not one of my type. Maybe he's not one of us. Maybe he's a Samaritan. Uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, my type, someone of my distinction, wouldn't mix with someone like that. But he couldn't have known where the man was from because, as Jesus has already pointed out, the man's half-naked, lying on the roadside. There were no distinguishing marks. And besides that, we know that anyone, uh, no matter who they are, age, race, gender, religion, um, ability, disability, sexuality, no matter who people are, every single person bears the image of God and every single person is valuable to him. Perhaps there was a bit of maybe self-justification. Maybe he thought to himself, well, look, I always go to the Homicide Support Victims Ball each year. Uh, I gave some money to the Jerusalem Blind Society today and shared a sandwich with a beggar. I'll pray for him. God, please help this poor man. Please help him. <laughs> Perhaps he just thought uh, someone else can do it. We've probably all done this, haven't we? There's a really tragic story about an assault of a woman that took place outside an apartment block in New York City. As the woman screamed for help, She saw blinds in the apartment building open up as people looked out to see what's going on from the safety of their apartment. But in the mop-up of all that took place, reporters discovered that no one called the police and no one went to help. There was collective knowledge, but no one took personal responsibility. Everyone just thought someone else would do it. And we can so easily do that, can't we? Someone else will get it. Someone else can fix this. Uh, maybe the priest thought, well, Larry the Levite, I know he's coming down the same road, he'll, he'll sort it out. And, uh, and so he passed by on the other side. Well, along came the Levite, and uh, what a blessing, a temple servant, a uh, modern-day worship leader, 
or connect group Bible study leader, a, uh, a parish council servant. What a great person to come across. But sadly, Jesus reminds us he too passed by on the other side. What might have been his reasons? Let's ponder. The I've already done enough for God today excuse. <laughs> Gee, look at the time. I did. I tell the wife and kids I'd be home and I've got so much to do for God tomorrow. I, I could never get done for God everything that I plan if I stop and help this guy. Or the evangelism excuse. Or this guy looks in a really bad way. And, you know, if I stop and show him the love of God, uh, he probably won't have the sort of sense of mind for me to explain to him why I'm showing that love. So maybe I'll just keep going. Maybe Maybe I won't stop anyway. Or maybe he just used the what could go wrong excuse. Maybe this guy's got COVID. Or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is a trap. He's going to draw me in and the robbers are going to get me. Or maybe this guy has no family and he's going to latch onto me and become like an adopted child. I'm going to have to carry him around all the rest of my life. Fortunately for this man, lying in this great need, along comes a Samaritan, the only non-religious person mentioned by Jesus. And this Samaritan's good deed answers for us the two questions that have been raised so far. Who is my neighbour? And what does it mean to be a neighbour? Well, firstly, the Samaritan, he, he saw the man and Jesus tells us the first thing that took place. It's, it's helpful to notice, verse 33. When the Samaritan saw the man, he took pity on him. Isn't that interesting? So his heart went out to him before his hands went over to him. He saw the man, not for all that he could be or what could go wrong. He saw the man just as a fellow human being, someone made in the image of God, someone precious to him. So do you see people as neighbours? I've got to be honest, in my working life, I've often overlooked people, overlooked cleaners, hospitality staff, just not seeing people as, as, as neighbours in need of my love. I think we all sort of think, oh, if someone was dying on the roadside, I'd stop, but I mean, maybe it's worth saying, if you wouldn't stop for a tear in an eye, you probably wouldn't stop for someone lying on the roadside half dead. Well, every single person is a neighbour. This, this parable points it a little bit harder, though, because what the Samaritan teaches is that here is someone who is a neighbour, even someone who is an enemy, someone who doesn't like you. That can be even harder, can't it, to, to show love even towards those who won't love you back or those who hate you. All people are neighbours to us. So if everyone's a neighbour, what is it about this Samaritan's good deed that teaches how to be a neighbour to whomever we come across? Well, three things I want to point out to us. Firstly, uh, that being a neighbour is extravagant. Well, the Samaritan isn't just thinking here, what's my duty? He hasn't just thought to himself, what would the law require me of me? What, what do I need to do before I can stop and get on with my day? Now, he's thinking all along, if this was me, how would I want to be loved? So take a look with me at verse 34, this process that goes on his mind. He went over to the man and he bandaged the wounds, treating them as if they were on his own body, pouring on them oil and wine, which is not a first aid technique we use anymore, but probably effective in its time. Uh, then he... Then he thought to himself, this man's not in any state to walk. So he put the man on his own donkey, and he walked that long, difficult road uh, alongside the donkey. Then he brought the man to the inn and thought, how will this man take care of himself overnight? 
And we find out from the next verse, verse 35, that he spent the night caring for his needs. It's this kind of extravagant love that can change someone's life. This Samaritan would never forget this extravagant love he was shown by that man that day. That kind of love will make our neighbours stand up and take notice of God's love. It's the kind of love that actually takes initiative, that goes on the front foot rather than just the back foot. So I gave it a go. I fixed a neighbour's letterbox and I just pretty easy for me to do. I'd seen it sort of hanging off its hinges for a while. Fixed it up. Little did I know, Myra would invite me into her house, share her whole life story with me, and give me an opportunity to share why I showed this love to her. There's a church in Sydney famous for going around the streets of the neighbourhood on a Saturday morning, just offering generous love to people to sweep up, clean up, fix things, just help around the home. Well, Extravagant neighbourly love is one of the best advertisements we've got for an extravagantly generous God. Second, being a neighbour is costly. Anything extravagant is going to cost something, and to love his neighbours, this Samaritan had to get his hands dirty. Uh, It cost him two denarii, which if you have a footnote in your Bible, you'll notice that's about two days' wages, uh, which would have been enough to keep the man in there for two weeks in the inn. Uh, He covered all the costs of the man upon his return. Nothing in life comes for free, even being a neighbour. I remember when I got introduced to this idea of the costliness of neighbourliness. One of the first areas of Christian volunteering I did was serving in a group called Surrey Hills Urban Mission. We'd go into Central Station on a Tuesday night and we would run a little soup kitchen handing out hot drinks and sandwiches. And as we were sitting there for the orientation, the man who was running the serving group said, uh, just casually mentioned, uh, next week your $20 helper fee will be due. You're asking me to pay? You should be paying me. But it was the first time I became aware that everything in life comes at a cost, even loving others. And I've since met many Christians who've been willing not just to pay a financial cost, but they've been willing to pay costs in aspirations turning down a job promotion so they can be more available to love people, uh, in, in moving their working week around so they can serve in a ministry. I'm so inspired by this. many of the people who serve in everyday English. Uh, it's on a Wednesday morning and they've worked their week around so they can minister to other people in a time where they're vulnerable and, and need to uh, learn and grow in this skill of English. Uh, I've, I've met people who've moved house who've moved country to go and show God's love to people in another part of the world. Friends, true neighbourly love is costly. And lastly, the Samaritan teaches us that being a neighbour is inconvenient. Not only did he take the man to the inn, but he would have had to totally change his plans, this Samaritan. Uh, I've worked out that this was a a three-day diversion in neighbourly love. Uh, Two days wages and one day of helping. And then he had to come back past the inn on the way back. And this is what gets me when I think about being a good neighbour. There's just no margin in Ed's life. I don't have margin. I've got so many good things I want to do for God that I haven't allowed the space and time to just respond. So maybe we need to allow more wiggle room in who we are so that we're ready to respond when, people, when we come across people in need. It's also worth saying to a time-obsessed culture, which basically we live in, right, is that when God puts a need in your way, that's when God says it's your time. 
That's God telling you what time it is. It's your time to help and serve that person. Now, if you're anything like me, you're probably having a little bit of an internal monologue, maybe a crisis, thinking, well, look, if everyone's my neighbour and if being a neighbour means showing extravagant, costly, inconvenient love, I'm not going to be able to walk down the street. I probably won't get out of church tonight. I'll just be here serving everyone else. Well, helpfully, this parable is flanked by the interaction between Jesus, Mary and Martha. Uh, Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house. Mary sits at Jesus' feet, listening to him learning. Martha gets all distracted, all the things she has to do for all the people. Jesus said, Mary chose the better thing. Uh, There is an orderliness to our neighbourliness. So as we love others, God has told us that we're first to love him. We, We love God first and foremost. Then if we have one, we love a spouse, we love our family, we love the family of God. And then we love the world around us. So don't get all caught up and busy serving in every ministry here at church or being a great neighbour to everyone in your connect group if your family are being passed by on the other side. Uh, Don't go getting all involved in uh, the strata group of your apartment block or or your sports group or or some sort of community networking group showing neighbourly love there if you're passing by the members of your own church family. There is an order to whom we're to show that love to. Well, with these priorities in mind, Jesus uses this parable to teach us how to be a real neighbour. To everyone we meet, it's costly, it's extravagant, it's inconvenient. But we come back to the lawyer and Jesus asks him, so who do you think was the neighbour? It's obvious, isn't it? but he can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. Uh, But what's also obvious is that this pious expert in the law has fallen desperately short of being a neighbour. And so that brings us back to the initial question that sparked the discussion, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or who will be saved? And if you're honest, as you think about being a neighbour to others in these ways, you, like me, have probably fallen desperately short. You see, we have all fallen into the hands of robbers. Our sin and the devil have stripped us of our goodness, our holiness, and and beaten us up and and robbed us and left us, not just half dead by the roadside, completely spiritually dead. But fortunately for us, a good neighbour walked down that same road. The Lord Jesus Christ walked down that road, not from Jerusalem to Jericho, but Jericho back to Jerusalem. And when he saw us, he did not pass by. He came to us, picked us up, and then he himself went to Jerusalem where he fell into the hands of robbers. He was beaten, stripped, mocked, spat on, hung up on a cross to die. And as he died a a sinner's death on the cross in our place, he showed us the true extent of neighbourly love. He showed us that when we fail to be neighbours, the perfect neighbour, Jesus Christ, has died in our place. We can be forgiven for our failures. We can get up. Go again and go and do likewise. We can show that neighbourly love to others. So friends, 2021 is well and truly upon us. It's the year of loving our neighbour. Our world needs love. And who is God sending to the world? You and I. Neighbours. To go just like Jesus has gone for us and show neighbourly love that is extravagant, costly, inconvenient, but that shares the generous love of God. 
we're going to spend a bit of time reflecting on the love that God has shown us in Jesus. And we're going to do that in a song. Uh, And then we're going to come back and we're going to think really practically, what's it going to look like for us as a church and us as individuals to be a church that loves our neighbours this coming year? So I'm going to lead us in prayer. The band are going to lead us in song. And then we're going to come back. Let me lead us in prayer. God, our Heavenly Father, we are sorry for the times when we have failed to be a neighbour, passed by on the other side, thought of excuses for why we didn't need to get involved. Thank you that Jesus never did that for us. Thank you that he came to us, tended to our needs, bound up our wounds, made us whole again, died on the cross in our place and showed us what it looks like to be a perfect, loving neighbour. So God, having been loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, help us to see all people as our neighbours and to go as he has loved us, to go and do likewise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beautiful. We're going to think really practically now about what it looks like for us to be a church who are loving our neighbours in 2021. So we as a church have the wonderful privilege of having between 50 and 60 people walk through our doors who are new each week across our eight services. The first thing we can do is to be a welcoming community. Uh, Everyone is responsible for welcoming here at church. We say it all the time, but we say it again. Use the first 15 minutes before church to welcome other people, to be here early. Newcomers will come on time and say, please get here early and use the first 15 minutes after the service to talk to those that you don't know. What a great way to show the welcoming, warm embrace of God by, uh, by expressing that as a welcoming community. In our preaching, we've got a few things that, we, that are going to come up. We're going to uh, think about how we teach us to be neighbours through God's Word. So in your little key events uh, sheet that you've got in front of you, we've got the preaching series that are going to be coming up. In term one, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 to 16 about being a loving community. Deuteronomy in term two, thinking through what it looked like for God's people to be this community of care and embrace for others. Uh, an anthropology series on what it means to be human and who God has made us. And then finally, in John's Gospel, we're going to continue on through John's Gospel and the middle part of that. As we think about simplicity in our gatherings, as we come each week, we don't want to bombard you with lots of information. So so we're going to keep it really succinct and really tight. Uh, We're going to particularly focus on being a community that's thinking about those who are coming in for the first time. So as you come to church each week, you're just going to hear about our belonging course and connect groups, because that's where, if you love Jesus, we want you to be meeting with other Christians, strengthening each other's faith and caring for one another in community. If, if you walk through the door and you don't yet know Jesus, we're going to be talking about our Explore courses, Alpha Christianity Explored. That might feel really monotonous to you if you're a regular here, but it is life-changing to someone who's just walked through this door. There's going to be other ways that we communicate things, communication channels, through our website, social media, through dedicated emails. So that's the place you're going to find out about other things that are coming up in the life of church. Uh, Some of those are on this little key dates calendar, and you might like to jot those dates in your diary. You might think, well, there's a depression anxiety seminar coming up in March, and I know that my neighbour is really struggling with that. So that's something I could think about bringing someone along to. Every, uh, all our events are going to be starting at 7.45 and finishing at 9.15, unless there's dinner when they'll start at 7pm. So that's a, a time that you can know that we're committed to keeping as we love you this year. We're, 
very dedicated to starting a new morning congregation. Praise God that God has given us opportunities to grow. We've got church services that can't fit in the building in the morning. So in the Macquarie Park and all Lane Cove area, we're going to start a new morning congregation because that is one of the fastest growing areas of Sydney. Uh, Macquarie Park itself is the, is the uh, second biggest CBD in our city at the moment, even bigger than Parramatta. And, uh, and there are so many people in that area who need to know the love of Jesus, and we want to uh, think about starting a new morning congregation there. But that's what our church is going to be doing collectively. Uh, but we individually, we need to take our personal responsibility to be loving neighbours. So let's think about what it's going to look like for us. I've invited, I could keep talking, but I've invited members of our congregation to come and share. So I've got five members of our congregation who are going to share five top points, just, just one minute each, on how they love their neighbours. So I'll invite them to come up to the stage, and I'm going to speak from over here. So you've got this little card that it should be on your seat. Uh, on it, it has five people that you're going to be praying for. We want you to keep praying regularly for five people. On the other side, it's got our five steps of loving our neighbour well. So the first one is prayer. Uh, we we want to make sure that we're pleading with God for people before we're pleading with people for God. So I've invited Claudia to share how she prays for her neighbours. Uh, yeah, so um, I definitely don't, I'm not um, always good at this, but um, I am constantly in prayer for someone when they walk past me, uh, especially in my, in my neighbourhood. I catch up with maybe 10 people at the local coffee shop and, um, yeah, they're constantly in my heart and um, I pray for them, uh, put a thing up in our building about helping um, or if they need prayer or and a Christian couple reached out and asked for prayer. But I think for me, um, I just really encourage you to, um, yeah, if you see someone to, to lift them up in prayer and if you say you're going to pray for someone, I always make sure, even if it's like a two-worder, um, I, I lift them up to God and I think yeah, prayer has um, helped me to reach out to my neighbours, um, even if they're non-believers. They like to know that they're thought of and cared for, and they'll even text me now to ask me to pray for them. Um, but yeah, it has been costly. I've spent nights in hospital to very early hours of the morning, but um, I'm very thankful that uh, the weight is not on my shoulders, but um, God bears that by being able to uh, lift them up in prayer. Thanks, Claudia. Well, we can't, uh, we can't show the love of God to people that we don't actually know or, or have connected with. So the next step is connecting with people, making time to do that. So I've invited Neil to share how he connects with his neighbours. Uh, thanks. Yeah, look, as I thought about this, my neighbours are fairly broad, so it's not just my local neighbours, but it's other people that I meet, people who I've worked with and so on. There are lots of ways I connect. Uh, sometimes it's doing jobs for them because I'm fairly practical. I do have a ute and a trailer, so I often help people to move. Um, that's been a good connection as well. But there are other things like uh, dirt bike riding with uh, colleagues or um, inviting our local neighbours in uh, when they first uh, arrive so that we have a meal together. We open our house to big events. And there are also opportunities where um, some of the, our celebrations, we've been able to link our neighbours with our friends, with our church friends and so on. And that's been uh, really interesting to hear some of the feedback on conversations as a result of that. So, look, there are lots of ways in which you can do it. I guess it depends on the skills that you have, the uh, resources that you have available. 
but my view is that uh, they're not my resources and skills, they're God's. He's given them to me to use, so that's what I should be doing. Beautiful. Now, what I love about Neil and Lynn is that they've actually resourced themselves in ways that they know are going to be helpful to others, so think about how you could do that this year. Next is eating. Uh, over good food, we can open up the opportunity for conversations and, and sharing life with each other. So Fiona's going to share how she does that. Um, I enjoy cooking, so I'll just put that out there. So no, I know not everyone is, uh, enjoys cooking or is good at it. Um, and in actual fact, Paul challenged me the other week that I actually do need to be more like um, Mary rather than Martha. And so I'm really challenging myself to do that a bit more this year so I can make... Um, I guess hosting people and hospitality a little bit easier for myself. But one th thing I do look at when I'm inviting a group of people is not to invite the same people um, and to invite a mix of people. So that can be um, single people, it can be um, marrieds, it can be um, families and people with kids. So, you know, just look for different opportunities. Don't be afraid to ask a family to come. Just look for a kids-type meal and you'll be fine. Um, and just, yeah, prepared for be prepared for a little bit of mess, but they're great fun and um, they really value hanging out with single people. Um, but yeah, just look for a mix of people. When I um, am looking at inviting people, I do look at people that might be new to church, but also inviting people that are already currently embedded in church so that they connect with those people. Thanks, Fiona. Look, the greatest love that we can show people is to introduce them to the love of Jesus. That's That's... The ultimate goal is that people might experience his love and know the one who loved them to, enough to die for them. So our great goal is that we would get to this point where we can share our faith or share uh, why we go to church, share Bible verses. So I've invited um, Robin to come and share with us how she does that. Hello. I don't know that I'm really an expert at this, but um, I guess what I try and do first and foremost is really listen to people. So I would then really only share my story where it's relevant to where they're at and what they're going through. I think it's not good to impose or force, but um, as you get alongside people in their lives and what they're going through, uh, and then I bring in how my faith is relevant to them and how it, it's helped me. Um, so it's very much uh, getting, getting alongside them and really hearing them first. And uh, our desire is that people might be invited to come and meet Jesus. We don't care if they come to our church. We just want them to come and start a relationship with him. So we want to encourage you that every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite a friend to church. Uh, beyond that, we, we want to encourage you to invite friends to come and try Alpha or come and try Christianity Explored. They're running every term, and uh, our goal is that people just come and test out the first week. Rather than say, come and do a long-term, long course, just say, come and see if it's for you and see what you think. I've invited Ethan to come and share what he thinks or how he's tried to invite people along to these things. I also don't think I'm the, the best at this, but yeah, last year I had some three good friends come to church at the end of the year. Um, I work with two of them, and we would skip part of work every Friday to, to get coffee and discuss, discuss life. And uh, yeah, we would talk about our faith and backgrounds. I told them that I was Christian, that I went to church, and they, yeah, shared their background as well. They were both Jewish. And so I was very keen to, to get to know what their worldview was and what their life meant to them. And I went along to some of their events. And in turn, they wanted to come along to church. I didn't have to invite them in the end. So, yeah, it was just about willing to invest in other people's lives and get to know what they do. And, um, yeah, and also skipping work to get coffee as well. 
Uh, well, it's great to see and hear from our brothers and sisters how different ones of us are using our different abilities, opportunities to think about how to be loving our neighbours well. Uh, there is such a wealth of resources in this place online uh, amongst our church family that we can share with one another as we think about how to be loving our neighbour well in 2021. So you've been invited to change the world. It just happens one person at a time. Every person is a neighbour. Show them the love that God has shown you and who knows what God will do with this church in 2021.